Today, we're going to return to our study in the Word of God, looking at our, our glorious Savior, Jesus Christ, and how He is the A to Z of, of everything to do with our salvation. And I trust it's been a blessing for you to go through and consider, to just go through the alphabet. You know, uh, beloved, He's the, the author of eternal life uh, to everyone that obeyeth Him. That's the letter A. I'm sure you can think of another A. Uh, he's the, the beloved Savior, the beloved Son of God. The voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And beloved, we do. Only by his grace we do. Uh, the letter C. Uh, can you think of anything that comes to you, Sandra? <laughs> I'm sure uh, many of you are thinking about complete. <laughs> He's the Savior who saves us completely. That's what uh, the Apostle writes there in Colossians chapter 2, verse 10. Beloved, ye are complete in him, lacking uh, no uh, thing at all, a, a full pardon of all your sins, and a righteousness you have nothing whatsoever to do with. Uh, a, B, C, and what about D? <laughs> I know uh, uh, I'd like to park there for a little while. Um, that's... Uh, uh, the the religion of what is it the religion of do in in no, in, in no wise <laughs> it's a religion of done and the same thing we heard him declare from the cross of Calvary John nineteen verse thirty he says it is finished we hear the same glorious words as he sits on the very throne of God there in Revelation twenty one verse six he tells us it is done full salvation Gary. Lacking nothing. And then the, the letter E. I was thinking about this, and maybe I'll find the verse. We're just saying this by way of review. But uh, I think I got two E's in one verse here. It's uh, at least in one book. If you look in Jeremiah, Jeremiah, and we're just doing this by way of a re- review, beloved. Uh, but wouldn't it be wonderful? Isn't it wonderful? Not wouldn't it be? Isn't it wonderful when the Lord opens up a door of opportunity and someone says, uh, you know, Matt, tell me the reason for the hope you have. Why are you so certain that salvation is done? Well, let me start with A and let me finish with Z <laughs> and go through all the word of God. In Jeremiah 29, verse 11, it says there, and this is uh, one of my favorite things to contemplate about our Lord and God. He's a savior that, that gives his people an expected end expected end. Not through anything we've done or will do, but through what he's accomplished. It says, therefore, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. And then for the letter F, um, what shall we think about? Well, no doubt we think about how the our brother and he, he reminds us of ourselves. Uh, we can be so slow to learn, and we are slow to learn. But yet, we read there in, in John's Gospel, if I'm not mistaken, there in the 14th chapter, in verse 8, Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. And our Lord Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet thou hast not known Philip? Thou hast not known me, Philip. He that has seen me has seen the Father. He's our Father, Savior. And how sayest thou, then, show us 
the Father. And I'm sure you can think of some letter, other letter Fs to describe our uh, Lord Jesus Christ. Does anything else leap to your heart and mind immediately? <laughs> um, I've heard uh, one brother, he likes to, to uh, uh, he's hoping he can, he can brag about the, our Lord and God Jesus Christ just like you all. And he says, have you heard about the doctrine of the, the failed Messiah? That's Roman Catholicism. It's the, the false Christ that's tried to, but he can't unless you give him a helping hand. And that brings us to that glorious declaration in Isaiah chapter 42. It says there in verse 4, now who is he? We're just parking on the letter F just for a little bit. This is just by way of review. He is the Savior who shall not fail. What's he not going to fail at, beloved? His blood won't fail you. You have a full and complete pardon of all your sins. And his righteousness, the righteousness that he established on the earth as a real man, has been made ours. You see, nothing unclean, nothing unholy is going to enter into heaven. And that's why the gospel is so wonderful to hear how he prayed to the Father. Father, I pray that, that they would be one with me as I am one with the Father. And being one with him, uh, we're saints. <laughs> we're saints. How else could we rest? How else could it be? You know, somebody's driving up and down. May, let's just describe a hypothetical. I won't spend too much time on this. But we know every one of us has a birthday and everyone has, has an appointed death day. And for that brother or for that sister in Christ who's looking to the Lord Jesus Christ for all their salvation, um, accidents happen. You know what they call accidents in quotations. They call it accidents. A brother is driving down 49 or 59 or some interstate and a big piece of rebar flies off the end of the truck and goes into his throat and he's bleeding out. What happens to that beloved lamb, that beloved sheep, that brother or sister in Christ, that true sinner. What happens? We read a little taste of it in 1 John chapter 4, verse 17. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, in our death day. How come? Because as he is, so are we in this world. That's just so. I can't explain it, but that's the gospel. It's not us walking with the Lord. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's so wonderful. <laughs> and this morning, uh, I was just hoping that we could spend a little time looking at the letter G. The letter G. And just this morning, I found uh, two more. <laughs> it's, it's a wonderful uh, book, is it not? It's all Christ. It's a hymn book, and it declares his glorious person, and his finished saving work. He shall not fail, beloved. So let's just take a look at these. Uh, I think I have 14 now. I started at 12 uh, about yesterday, and then just this morning I thought of two more. <laughs> the first letter G we was read to us by our brother. Look there with me again in Titus chapter 2. What a What a glorious title for our Lord and God, Jesus Christ. It says there in verse 13, Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of, who is he? He's the great God, beloved, the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that, we might, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. He's uh, 
the great God and Savior. How's that for a letter G? <laughs> um, many of you are familiar with what we read in John chapter 10. Take a look there. Now, the only reason why he is the good shepherd is because he is the shepherd who shall not fail to find all his sheep, to find all his lost lambs. And it says there in John chapter 10, I'll begin reading in verse 11. These are the words of our Lord and God, Jesus Christ, Allison. And he says these words. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. Verse 13, the hireling fleeth because he is an hireling and careth not for the sheep. And again, the voice of our Lord and God, Jesus Christ. I am the good shepherd, and know my sheep, and I am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have. <laughs> As speaking about how that not only has a elect chosen people amongst the the Jews, but a, a, an elect chosen people out from every nation, every tongue, every tribe, every people. I don't know of any other uh, believers in my family from the tribe Murphy, but I know at least one. <laughs> I'm so thankful for that. Verse 16, And I have other sheep which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment, this covenant commandment, to come into the world to save sinners, I have received of my Father. And not only is he a good shepherd, beloved, he's a great shepherd. Look what it says in Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13 says there in verse 20 and 21, Hebrews 13, 20 and 21. It says there, now the God of peace, and that's, that's another uh, title for our Lord, is it not? The God of peace. Peace, peace, perfect peace. Keep your place there in Hebrews 13. I'll just read to you a, a verse from Isaiah 26. It says there in Isaiah, the God of peace. This makes me think about that verse in Isaiah 26. It says there in verse 3, Then wilt keep him, thou, thou Father, the triune God, will keep him, that sinner, that man or woman who believes on the Lord Jesus Christ, in perfect peace. How come? Because his mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. And again, now in, in Hebrews 13, verse 20, it says, Now the God of peace that brought you again from the dead, our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep. The great shepherd of the sheep. What a, what a wonderful title. Never forget it, beloved. He's not a failed Savior. He's not trying to save everyone. He was sent into the world to seek and to find his sheep. And he'll find and seek all of them. He'll, he'll find his purchased possession. Make, make no mistake about it. And that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect 
in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Isn't that a, a wonderful gospel detail? It doesn't stop as we read that. It says, let's read 21 again. Make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight. Does it stop there, Gary? <laughs> Matt? No. It says, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now look with me in First Peter. First Peter chapter 5, verse 10. It says there, and here's another title of our Lord and God, Jesus Christ. Beloved, he's the God of all grace, the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And then in Isaiah chapter 40, a passage I'm sure many of you are very familiar with. In Isaiah chapter 40, I'll begin reading there in verse 1. The prophet writes the words of the Lord God Almighty. Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. Speak comfortably to Jerusalem. Don't, don't speak to her head, speak to her heart. And cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned. For she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. By the blood, save from wrath, and by his righteousness, he's made us pure. Verse 3, the voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. That is not merely a title. That is exactly who he is. He is the God-man, Jesus Christ. And it's the same thing we read in Genesis. It says in the beginning, God. And who else did have did John have in mind but the Lord Jesus Christ when he wrote in the very first chapter, in the very first verse of the gospel that bears his name? It says there in John chapter 1, verse 1. And remember, this is speaking about none other than the eternal Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the Word. And later on in that passage, we see who it's speaking about, because in verse 14 it says the Word was made flesh. Who was made flesh? Jesus of Nazareth, the, the Son of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And in that, that passage in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3, it says there, Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. And then verse 5, we see that He is the glory of the Lord. That is the Lord Jesus Christ, the glory of the Lord. Two times in, in Matthew, Matthew chapter 3, verse 17, and then there again in Matthew chapter 17, the Father says, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. This is my glory. Hear ye him. And it says here in verse 5, the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. And then... Uh, in Romans chapter 9, verse 5, he is the, the God blessed forever. 
I wasn't going to leave off that forever, Gary. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure many of you, <clears throat> you think about um, loved ones uh, who are dying, and we're all dying, by the way. Did you know that, Matt? We're all dying. <laughs> we're all dying. And we're all waiting for that, that expected end to be with him in, in the very presence of him who loved us and washed of, of all our sins in his own precious blood. And in, there, in a, and I think it's Psalm 23, is it not? Isn't it nice to just meditate on the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And then as you go through to the end of that, that Psalm, I think it's verse 6, it says, There surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I, shall, I, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. <laughs> forever. And we have another forever here right where I'm reading here in Romans chapter 5, verse 9. To take a look at that there with me. He is God-blessed, and it's not, we just don't leave off the end there. He is God-blessed forever. He ever liveth to make intercession for us. It says there in Romans chapter 9, verse 5, Whose are the fathers, and of whom, as concerning flesh, Christ came, who is over all, what does it say there? God bless forever. God bless forever. Amen. And then in Matthew chapter 2, what, a, what an appropriate title for our Lord and God, Jesus Christ. He is our sovereign, almighty God, and He, he, he is the governor. <laughs> Forget about the president for a while, would you? Forget about Abbott. Who's our governor? It says there in Matthew chapter 2, in verse 6, it says, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor. <laughs> He's my governor. You want to talk about, I don't want to talk about Abbott. I don't want to even talk about the governor of Florida. <laughs> How will we talk about my governor, the Lord Jesus Christ? And, and somebody might be kind of confused at that. They thought, well, what, what kind of relevance does that have to my life? A governor, what are you talking about? Just turn to Romans chapter 8, and you say, while I can't connect the dots in the particular and the minutiae and all the details, but I rest in this. I know that my Lord and God, Jesus Christ, he's a sovereign governor, and he reigneth, and he's working all things together for good for those who love him, the call according to his purpose. Romans 8, verse 28, we know, we don't merely believe this, beloved, this has been revealed to us that we might say it ever more, ever the more strongly, not, not in some bombastic boasting of our own understanding, but God in mercy has revealed this to us. And I can't connect the dots, and I don't care to. I just know this, that all things, all things, not a few things, not significant things or insignificant things. All things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. He's our governor. <laughs> I think I might uh, stay on that for a little while. <laughs> I get so tired of the news. It makes me so upset. I shouldn't watch it. It just bothers me and just, just irritates me to no end. He's also, beloved, our great high priest. Look what it says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 19. 
Hebrews chapter 4, verse 19. It says there, in, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 19, Well, there is no, uh, let's see here, there is there is no 19 in there. So let's see where I've gone astray with my reference. Just give me a moment here. Okay, Hebrews 4, 14. I guess I can't read my own handwriting. <laughs> it says there, in Hebrews 4, verse 14. Seeing then we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. And then, what a what a comforting, encouraging reason to give that we have an advocate with the Father. So therefore, beloved, let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Well, who needs mercy? Who, who needs mercy, Tyler? Sinners. <laughs> mercy beggars. And that reminds us of that portion in 1 John chapter 2. There at the very beginning, how wonderful is that, that we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. It says there in chapter 2 of the first epistle of the Apostle John, My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. I don't want to sin. You don't want to sin. But we have more sin in a moment than we care to admit to, do we not? I mean, I, there's not a time that I don't need a great Savior for this great sinner behind the pulpit. And it says there, If any man sin, indeed when we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And now in Hebrews, going back to that book, talking about, we are talking about this the other day uh, with, with a few of the men, how that... There was that uh, saint of old. I don't remember the name particularly, but he was uh, coming to that uh, appointed time to depart, and his faculties were failing him. Um, I suppose that comes to all of us should we be given uh, um, many years. And he said, I don't remember much, but I know two things. I'm a great Savior, or I'm a great sinner, and he's a great Savior. And that reminds us of Hebrews chapter 2. Because who else but a great Savior could accomplish a great salvation for sinners? And it says there in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3, How shall we escape? How shall we escape the, the condemnation, the, the, the righteous judgment of the wrath of God? if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken of by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. Makes me think of that passage in Romans 8. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? 
Well, there is no escape because the only Savior is the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other name given among men by where we must be saved. And in Hebrew or Romans chapter 8, verse 1, it says there, There is therefore now no condemnation, no wrath, no, no hell, no perishing, no, no, no damnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, in Christ, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Have you repented? Has God given you both repentance and faith? Well, I'll tell you what repentance does, and I'll tell you what faith does. It acknowledges the truth as it is in Jesus. And if you know Jesus as he's revealed in the Scriptures, he is all, <laughs> all your salvation. He's all your pardon. He's all your righteousness. And if you've repented, you're a sinner here this morning, and you've ceased trying to establish a righteousness of your own. You're no longer in darkness. You're in the light of the glorious gospel of God's Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. What do I mean by that? Well, listen to what our brother describes here, his heart burden for his, his brethren according to the flesh. And he says there in Romans 10, he says, They have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge, for they being ignorant. They're ignorant. Oh, how does Paul know they're ignorant? Does he have some? He can see that they're 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 not resting. They've not ceased from their works. They're going about to try and establish their own filthy rag righteousness to be accepted of God. And he says this of them here. These remember these are religious folks who have not repented. They've not repented. They're not looking to Christ for all their salvation. He says, they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves under the righteousness of God. Well, I tell you, Lydia, she was, she was saying, uh, you know, it's not recorded by the Holy Spirit, but you can be sure. She said the same thing as our brother from Ethiopia. There's water. What hindereth me to confess the Lord Jesus Christ is all my righteousness, all my pardon, all my hope. It says here in verse 4, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. For, for who? To everyone that believeth. Great salvation accomplished by a great Savior. He's also, beloved, our good hope. Look what it says in Second Thess Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians says there in chapter 2, verse 16, now, our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation, and notice there, and good hope through grace. That's, that's sure hope. That's not hope so, maybe so. That's the sure hope through grace. Verse 17, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. And then... Um, I was thinking of uh, Gail. She was uh, coming up with a letter E when we were going through E. She was saying Emmanuel. <laughs> well, I'm going to cheat a little bit and say, well, that's also another G, uh, God with us, right? Look what it says in, in Matthew chapter 1. He is the God that is with us. And we were comforting ourselves about and trusting. I mean, we don't know. We have a reason to believe so that our Lord and God, Jesus Christ, is with our brother. 
He is God with us. God with us. Verse 23 says there, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with, with us. God with us. So everybody asks you, <laughs> who's Jesus Christ to you? He's, he's my Lord and my God. In fact, he's the Lord and God who is with me always, always. Look what it says in, in Matthew at the, at the end there. I think it's verse 20, Matthew 28, verse 20. And, and I realize we have seasons of, of deadness and dryness and just feel like, like can it, am I saved? <laughs> am I really a sinner saved undeservedly by, by God's grace? And, and, beloved, we're not to look to circumstance. We're not to look to our feelings. We're look to look to the Word of God and rest in the promises of God's Word. You remember, the Word of God, as somebody put it one time, contains promises to those who, how, how does it go? Um, it, it contains warning, lest we should presume, and promises, lest we should despair. And if there's anybody here this morning despairing, whether they're here in this auditorium or whether they're listening uh, later on when this message is posted, hear this and despair not, beloved believer. Let me just say it uh, even more strongly, beloved sinner. I'm not preaching to everyone. I'm preaching to real sinners, true sinners. This is what he says to you, sinner. I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So he's the God with us, beloved. He'll never leave us or forsake us. He'll never fail us. And then uh, these last two, I'll just go through quickly. I was thinking about this one this morning. Uh, he is the Savior who is good and ready to pardon. <laughs> He's good and ready to pardon and indeed to forgive. Look what it says in Psalm 86. Psalm 86, verse 5. This is our Lord and God, Jesus Christ, described here ever so blessedly. Psalm 86, verse 5. It says there, For thou, Lord, art good. He's a good Savior and ready to forgive, and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. And then, uh, just to conclude, and uh, ask uh, Gary to conclude our study in a word of prayer after this. He is the Savior that makes Gentiles glad. <laughs> Gentiles glad. Where, where do I get that from? Well, I trust it is your experience, beloved, that when you hear the gospel, you're, you're made glad again. Isn't it wonderful to hear salvation done again and again and again, to be told to stop looking to yourself, to stop your navel-gazing, to get your eyes off your sorry self and have them set by God's grace afresh on God's well-pleasing Son. Salvation's finished. Salvation's done. Perfect pardon. Perfect performance. <laughs> It says in Acts chapter 13, and I'll begin at verse 38. He tells us here ever so blessedly, Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. In verse 46, Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, It was necessary that we, the word of God should first have been spoken to you, but seeing ye put it from you, and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. 
For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad. (laughs) They were happy. They were blessed and glorified of the word of the Lord. And as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. Would they believe? Would they believe? Well, just look at a few passages of what they believed. They believe what they what we read in Colossians chapter two. This is what they believed. In Colossians chapter two, verse ten, it says there Ye are complete. A full and complete salvation in Christ. What else did they believe? They believed <laughs> these are verses that a believer can only rest and believe in by God's grace. He gives us eyes to see it. How about this? These Gentiles with us, they're glad. How come? It says there in Hebrews 10, 10, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And then verse 14, for by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. What a, a, a great Savior for great sinners. Amen.